The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So we're in John 14 this morning as we work our way through John. And uh, just to just to recap what we do before every sermon, um, the beautiful thing about this book is that um, it communicates to us a God who is real and relevant, meets us where we're at. Um, it's titled God in the Neighborhood because one of the translations in John 1, 14, when it introduces Jesus as the eternal word, it says, and the word moved into our neighborhood, this word who was with God and was God. He moved into our neighborhood like moving next door to where we live. So he's a God who understands us, can relate to us. He's not distant. He's not aloof. And he came that we might have life, as it says in John. At the end of the book, it says, these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, we might have life in his name. And uh, and so the book has just been incredible as it's just revealing Jesus to us. And uh, this morning in John 14, as it continues to reveal him to us. So I'd like to read as you follow along, and then we'll get going. John 14, 1, and uh, this is Jesus speaking. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas, one of his disciples, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, another one of his disciples, said, Lord, it's almost like he wasn't paying attention. Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So let's just commit this time to the Lord. Father, I do thank you for your word, that your word is living. Uh, These aren't just information, but your word is living And as it says in Hebrew, it pierces really to the depths of our beings. And Father, I pray through your spirit this morning, it would do that, that it would pierce to the depths of our beings uh, where we're troubled. um, And we need to experience the reality of these words and the relationship that is ours in you. So thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, In the hymn, The Solid Rock, one of my favorite phrases in a hymn, it starts like this. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Isn't that good? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And it, it just gives us that rock solid. If, if, if you need a foundation, a firm foundation for your faith, that's it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. To go along with that in Romans 8, before we get into John here, there are some wonderful verses that, uh, starting at verse 31, if you listen, Romans eight thirty one, it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You get that? If God's for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer is nothing. If God the Father and God the Son are for us, we're good. And that's the heart of what we see as we come to John 14. And, and it's so important because we, we live in troubled times. Um, just some examples. The Chicago Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> After 108 years of not making it to the World Series... They're in the World Series. But the troubling part of it is they're on the verge of elimination. Yeah, they're behind 3-1 to the... Whoa. (laughs) Cleveland, (laughs) not very troubled. (laughs) Uh, They're on the verge of elimination. Uh, Chicago is troubled right now. Uh, Tom Hanks, his latest movie, The Inferno, in movie theaters right now, I haven't seen it, but it's bombing. I mean, it's, it's bombing in the American box office. That's troubling, right? 
Josiah can see, you're like, whoa, I didn't realize it could be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Just, and if you didn't know, ExxonMobil, the world's largest publicly traded company, um, their profits plunged 38% third quarter of this year. They only made $2.65 billion. <laughs> that troubling? Um, it's not because that means you paid less at the gas pump. <laughs> um, and you could care less about any of those things, right? So could I. I just wanted to get started. Um, this is the question though. Is it possible not to be troubled about the next president who's going to be elected in nine days? I, I'm troubled about the future of our country. Is it possible to read the news and not to be at least a little bit troubled about the state of our world and nation? I, I looked, kind of perused Google News yesterday and there was like 10 nations that were going through incredible trouble uh, in our world. But probably... The question I want you to consider the most this morning is, is your heart troubled? Jesus started John 14 by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. And in, in a group of people this size, there, there has got to be some of us here this morning whose hearts are troubled. Maybe, maybe because you're going through a relationship uh, problem, a marriage problem. Maybe you're having <coughs> challenges with your kids, your finances, your, your car, your health to where you're here this morning and you're troubled. Or maybe you have a friend who's going through a troubling thing. Um, the question as we come to John 14 is how can we find, how can you find confidence restored in the midst of the trouble that you're going through? When it seems like everything around you is falling apart, is in shambles, how can you in the midst of that be confident. Well, Jesus' words, don't let your hearts be troubled, are, are reassuring words. But before we start into those words, I want us to go back to, to John 13 and, and see why Jesus told his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Because this is, this is pretty crucial to see why he told them those words. First, he says, it says in John 13, 21, that Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And his disciples stare at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. They're troubled. I mean, out of the blue, Jesus is troubled and he looks at them and says, one of you who's spent the last three years with me is going to betray me. And none of them know who it is. But their life has just been, their world has just been rocked. Next, <clears throat> Jesus says, and he, he continues on talking to them. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. 
and he rocks their world again. He says, I've been with you, but it's only going to be a little bit longer. And where I'm going, sorry, you can't come. Simon Peter asks him, Lord, where are you, where are you going? And Jesus replies, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And again, now their heads are spinning. <laughs> What's going on? One of us is going to betray him. And he's taking off. And then one more thing, as, as the John 13 concludes, Peter asks, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answers, Peter, will you really lay down your life for me? <clears throat> Truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows tonight, you will disown me three times. <laughs> no wonder their hearts were troubled. <laughs> I mean, it's like, bam, like that. Their lives are in shambles. One of them is going to betray him. Peter, whose nickname is The Rock, the leader of the disciples, is going to disown him three times. And their master, their leader, is going to take off and they can't go with him. So they're, they're, their hearts are troubled. And the question then, as we come to John 14, is how is Jesus going to reorient them and get them back on solid footing after the hard things that he's just said to them. Um, and, the, and the beautiful thing is that he does, and he does that uh, in these verses. If you look at John 14, 1, he starts by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. But then notice as we come to the end, verses 13 and 14, I just want to make note, don't, don't they do an incredible job with these slides? <laughs> um, and just a shout out to Jordan McGrath too. I, I sent him my sermon notes at midnight last night and he had them on the app. Isn't that incredible? Um, but look at, he starts, Jesus starts by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Their hearts are troubled. He's just blown their lives away at the end of John 13. But notice, as we come to the end of these verses, he says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And, and so there's this incredible progression or transition from their hearts being troubled to where Jesus comes to the end and, and he says, but you can have this incredible confidence in the midst of the trouble this incredible boldness you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it so what is it that can give us such confidence the, the big question if you're looking at your notes is how can we move from troubled to confident and, and not because our troubles are gone but in the midst of those troubles. One of the things that we often do is we, is we cope with our troubles by trying to escape from them or, or get rid of them. Uh, how can we, in the midst of those troubles, have an incredible confidence? And this is the big idea that I think 
captures these verses that is so important. And it's true confidence comes when we believe. It's a key word. True confidence comes when we believe the authority that is ours because of the intimacy we have with the Father and the Son. You get that? Confidence in the midst of troubles is ours when we believe the authority that is ours because of the intimacy we have with the Father and the Son. Just to give you a glimpse of how real that is, I, we, we get a, a magazine that comes to our house called Voice of the Martyrs, and it's a, it's a, it can be a hard magazine to read because it's the stories of uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who have given their lives around the world. The October issue was of a family from South Africa, husband and wife, and their their two kids in 2004 were called by God to go to Afghanistan. They were uh, they were impacted by the uh, 2001, and uh, so they went to South Africa. Uh, their kids were five and four when they went. In 2016, as the wife was at the at the hospital where she was a doctor, um, the Taliban entered the home where her husband and at that point two teenage children were and slaughtered them. Um, This is what she said as this article is, uh, you know, she's left, she's lost those who are dear to her. She says these words and and they're they're powerful in light of these verses. She said, the prosperity gospel often taught in the West is not something she experienced in Afghanistan. And the prosperity gospel is people teaching a gospel that, hey, if you believe in Jesus, everything's going to be hunky-dory, right? (laughs) You believe in Jesus and you're going to get whatever you want. And it's usually preached by people who make a lot of money off of gullible people, okay? Just to give you a heads up. Um, She says, for me in Afghanistan, it was a life of sacrifice difficulty and struggles and in that the Lord gave us the reward of his presence you get that in the midst of that the Lord gave us the reward of his presence he revealed himself to us who he is (laughs) that's what it's talking about here in the midst of of whatever you're going through, however your heart is troubled right now, a confidence can come when you believe, when you believe that, that this authority can be yours because of the intimacy of the relationship that you can have with the Father and with the Son. So two things before we start into the passage. If you're following the notes, these are two key things that I think... Uh, are captured by these verses. The first is the centrality of faith. If your heart's troubled, the centrality of faith in troubled times. Um, if you, we, we come to John 14, uh, we'll see that the word believe is listed six times. Six times Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, it's just this the centrality of faith. Um, and yet, what we believe is what is so important, right? Um, 
just just a heads up, tomorrow night is Halloween. Um, if, you, if you're not going to go as a springing up well, um, if you're going to go as Superman, I just, just want you to know that just because you're wearing a Superman costume, you're not Superman, okay? Um, it's important. Uh, you don't live in that delusion. Um, what you believe, see, you can believe you're Superman, but you're not, right? And could have catastrophic consequences, especially if you try to fly. Um, what is it that we, in the centrality of faith, what we believe is so key? And, and, and what is captured by these, the second key thing is the intimacy that is ours with the Father and the Son. The importance of faith and the intimacy that is ours with the Father and the Son. Do, it, what I want you to get this morning is just the incredible truth of the intimacy that the Father and the Son have together and that we have with them and the incredible authority, confidence, and boldness that that gives us. So starting through John 14 here, uh, in verses 1 through 11, it talks about the intimacy of the Father and the Son. If you're taking notes, there's five things I just want to highlight as we go through here. Number one is uh, about eternity. Notice Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. The first thing I want you to see in the intimacy between the father and the son is that is that the Father and the Son together are preparing eternity for us. Um, you know, if, 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 if this scenario was a part of a reality TV show, it would be the Father preparing his place, right? The Son preparing his place. And they're going to see who can get the most people to come to their place, right? That's, that's not what it is. It's the Father's house and Jesus is preparing in his Father's house a place where we can together come to be with them for eternity. The second thing is salvation. Um, in verse 5, Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And this has got to be one of the best verses in the Bible that just makes it really simple. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's that simple. If you want to have a relationship with the Father, if, if you're here this morning and you're seeking God and, and you want a relationship with the God of the universe he makes it really clear that there's only one way to have a relationship with him and that's through his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in his son will not perish but have eternal life. In Acts 4.12 it says, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's, that's the son. Jesus says, no one comes to the father except through me. How incredibly dishonoring and disregarding of the Father if I were to say, I'm, I'm pursuing God and I'm doing it in my own way. 
I'm, I have a relationship with God and I'm doing it this way, when the Father has designated that a relationship with him only happens through his Son. And so we'd see the intimacy of the Father and the Son and that salvation, a relationship, right relationship with the Father alone happens through the Son. The third thing, I just put one or oneness as we look at the intimacy and as we continue on at verse 8. As Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Notice Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone that acts like I'm acting, it, it's, it's the way the Father acted. You, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this, as I was preparing um, to preach this morning and realizing that I was going to be weak. I had surgery three days ago and thinking I was Superman. Daniel said, you want me to preach? Oh no, no problem. And I felt like I was hit by a truck yesterday. And, uh, and as I was thinking about sitting to preach, immediately my mind went back to many years ago when I was um, sitting with my dad in the hospital as my dad was dying from cancer and uh, and he looked at me as uh, he he ended up dying that night, and and uh, he said, "Dave, would you pray for me that God would just heal me so that I can get back to preaching?" <laughs> uh, my dad uh, just had this passion to preach, and for the two years before he died, he had two lung surgeries for his cancer, and for those two years, he preached sitting down. Um, and so it's almost like you see me now and you get a glimpse of my dad. You see me here and my passion to to communicate to you God's truth and you get a glimpse of my dad. But, but not, even, not even close to the glimpse we get here because not only when we saw Jesus, do we see the Father, but then it says, Jesus says, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that not only when you see me, you see the Father, but but that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Not only are they the same in terms of the, the way they act, but their very being is the same. And so in Hebrews chapter one, the writer of the Hebrews says that Jesus is like this exact image of the Father. Um, The fourth thing, Jesus says, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Meaning the words that Jesus spoke were the words of the Father. And then five, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So that when Jesus worked, Jesus said, it's like the Father working. So believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves so that when you hear me speak and and you see me work, it's like you hear the Father speaking and you see the Father working. It's incredible intimacy. Jesus said, you see me, you see the Father. Um, 
incredible intimacy between the Father and the Son. But, you know, the amazing thing as we come to chapter, verse 12, um, is that our authority then, our ability to be confident no matter how troubling things are, is because we participate in that intimacy. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Isn't that incredible authority? (laughs) Jesus says that when I leave, I'm going to the Father and as we continue on in John 14, we're going to see because he's going to give the Holy Spirit who's not only going to be among us but dwelling in us will enable us, it says, to do the works that Jesus has been doing and even greater things than these. And then in verse 13, Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This this became really practical to me um, a few days ago when I was talking to my mother on the phone um, about my aunt. My my aunt lives in California, had a stroke and and kind of has has had a hard time recuperating from the stroke and and had some decisions that needed to be made for her. And I found out that my sister, my youngest sister, is my aunt's uh, power of attorney. Um, in in other words, that any decisions that need to be made for my aunt, my sister will make those decisions on her behalf, like in her name, as if she was making those decisions herself. This was good for me because my aunt's a little ornery, just to put it out there, unlike me. And, uh, wow. That was my daughter. I was, wow. <laughs> um, so obviously you see her, you see me, because you can tell she's ornery too. So, <laughs> So, you know, so my aunt's a little bit honorary, and I was thinking, as she's made some decisions that I, that I personally think aren't good decisions, I'm thinking, oh, my sister can make better decisions, right? Wrong. Not as her power of attorney, because my sister's job is to do what? It's to act as the way my aunt would act. It's to do what she would do to fulfill her wishes, not my sister's wishes. And that's how this just so beautifully puts together is it shows our authority that is ours is because that authority is enmeshed in the intimacy that is ours with the Father and the Son. And so when Jesus says, you may ask for anything in my name and I'll do it, he says, because you're going to be asking as I would ask because of your, the intimacy of our relationship. As you ask me for things, it would be as if I was asking for things because you're going to be so caught up with who I am and so in love with me and so wanting my will to be done and my Father to be glorified, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, that what you ask in your confidence and your boldness would be as if I was asking it. 
And as Jesus comes to the end, it just gives us this, this culmination of why he can tell his disciples in light of how he blew their world apart. One of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to disown me. And I'm going to take off. And everything's going to be good. Because if you understand the intimacy that I and the Father have together and that you participate in, it can give you a confidence and a boldness in the midst of those troubles to thrive. Just like this gal in Afghanistan where she says, in that the Lord gave us the reward of his presence. He revealed himself to us who he is. And so the answer in the midst of however your heart is troubled, it's, it's not uh, drowning out those sorrows, escaping from them, running from them. It's in the midst of them finding incredible confidence because you realize who you are in relationship to who God is. Just three responses as we conclude, the first one is I, I just pray that as you, as you reflect on these verses that there'd be a realization, what an incredible God we have. <laughs> a God that's preparing a place for us to spend eternity with. A God that he created the universe and then his son offered himself on the cross <laughs> to pay the price for our sins so that we could have right relationship again with God. A God that we that we spit in the face, went our own way, and yet he's made a way for us through his son to have a relationship with him. And we see that son, and we see the things that he said, and we things that he, that, that he did, and, and that God, number two, he's our God. To have a faith to believe that, that this God, the, the Father and the Son, we can have a relationship with him to where it gives us such incredible confidence that if God is for me, it doesn't matter what shambles my life is in right now. It doesn't matter what I'm going through and what I might experience. If God is for me, who can be against me? Uh, That's our God. Let not your heart be troubled. the God of the universe, the Father and the Son, we have the privilege of being in relationship with them. That gives us a confidence no matter what we're going through. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the incredible God that you are, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that you just haven't told us what to do but you brought us into relationship with you we're in that relationship an incredibly intimate relationship that we can have with you it can just it can give us confidence and peace and joy in the midst of that troubling time god we love you thank you for who you are and and who we can be in relationship to you amen